Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as I'm riding solo on this podcast. Uh, Going to do sort of a State of the Union in, in the last segment of this pod. Uh, but before I get to it, going to talk about the win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, kind of everything that went into that one. Uh, Going to talk about the bench in the second segment. Uh, basically, every player that's that's been coming off of the bench lately, save for Gary Harris and P.J. Dozier, who have been injured. Um, have Mostly focusing on the starters in that first segment, mostly focusing on the bench in the second segment. Then talk about the third, uh, state, of the, state of the team, state of the union in that third segment. Um, I think it's going to be pretty comprehensive. We're 33% of the way through the season if you're a Nuggets fan. Uh, 24 games, Denver's 13-11. and 11. Probably not where they want to be. Definitely not where they want to be. Definitely not where I expected them to be, but I, I don't think it's as dire as as many people have thought, as many people have said. Uh, we're just going to get into it when we do. But for now, let's talk about this Cleveland Cavaliers win, which was really, really good. Everyone contributed in a really positive way. Uh, you see that from the plus minus. Everybody on that starting unit was at least a plus 20. Uh, some of the guys in the plus 30 territory against the Cavs. The Cavs are really bad, and and that starting lineup with uh with Darius Garland, Co- Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, and Andre Drummond, they were bad. And they, they even though Torian Prince kind of helped open up things when they went to one big man, uh, they were still pretty bad. Uh, Andre Drummond in particular just looked very slow. Uh, he's he's known as a very athletic, physical big man, and and he looked big. But he looks slow. He was slower than Jokic out there, which I thought pretty notable given the way that Jokic has really built up his body and done the best he can to get into as great of shape as he can. Um, everybody contributed in that positive way, though. Let's start with MPJ because I think in that starting lineup, that was the story. Uh, I thought he played pretty well, encapsulated in a few plays. Uh, first quarter, he had an opportunity to take a contested shot uh, wouldn't have been surprising had he done so, uh, kind of on a on a semi-fast break possession, but he read the floor well, kicked the ball back out to, to Will Barton, who had passed it to him on the move, and Will Barton got the, got the bucket. He got a tough-earned bucket, MPJ got an assist for it, and it, it shows that in that game in particular, there were a lot of plays, and not just that one, but that kind of encapsulates it, that there were a lot of plays that MPJ had a lot of opportunities to go up for shots, to go for uh, the hero shot possession that he likes to go for, where he's 
uh, driving to the rim against guys. He's uh, he's taking that contested jumper. Uh, this was a very simple play. It's not very notable from a uh, anybody else perspective, but I think from MPJ and from somebody who has really tried to make an effort to go against his identity and to try to reforge that identity a little bit, this is a step in the right direction. Is that if he can play within the flow of the offense, the offense will find him again. It's I, I'm a I'm a firm believer in karma, and I tend to think that this is something that makes a lot of sense. MPJ only took three shots in the first fifteen in, in the first uh, in the first half. He had fifteen minutes in that first half. Seven shots in the third quarter came back to him alone. Uh, he took ten on the night, finished with nineteen points. Most of the shots that he did attempt were open, and they were in rhythm, and they were in the rhythm of the offense, more importantly. So I tend to think that that's a really good a really good thing to talk about with him. Uh, two of those buckets, I'll talk about them real quick. In the third quarter, he stayed patient on the weak side of the play while the rest of the action was going, and, and Jokic eventually caught the ball at around the top of the key, kind of... Uh, the half circle area, and he dribbled over to MPJ to establish a dribble handoff position. And MPJ read the floor well, caught the ball in the dribble handoff after curling around it, or well, curled around it, caught the ball, uh, took one dribble, and then he actually he may not have taken a dribble, but he hit a twelve foot jumper wide open. Nobody can contest that shot. He took it in rhythm, hit it in rhythm. Michael Malone gave a double fist pump on the sideline. It was very animated. Uh, that was something that he was really working towards. And I definitely think that that's something that the Nuggets have been working towards too. Then the last bucket that he had was an out-of-bounds play that the Nuggets like to run for him to get him a jumper. But instead of taking a jumper, he comes around. He, he sets a back screen, then comes around a, a, and curls around a screen from, I think it's Jokic, but it could have been somebody else. Uh, he curls around the screen, catches the ball in the corner, pump fakes. His defender flies by him, and because of the way things were set up, because of the way uh, I think uh, the inbounder exited out of there, he had a wide-open lane to the basket. And he got all the way to the rim, laid it up really easy, and it was just a very easy, nonchal- not, not nonchalant, but a very... Uh, controlled and and in like an in in control basket that you're not used to seeing from Porter because he doesn't handle the ball too often. I think that's a part of his game that they can continue to explore. Call the occasional play for him, call the occasional action that's going to put him in position. Jokic as he continues to get more accompany or uh accustomed, excuse me. I'm using all different words today other than the word that I want to use. Um once he gets accustomed to how Porter is going to operate, and once he trusts that Porter isn't going to just jack up an awful shot, I think that there's going to be some good synergy formed. It takes time, though, and this is it's going to be a long process, and I've, I've said this pretty consistently that they're going to have to work towards it, but I think that they can. I think they, they can do it. MPJ just feels like a player, I think, who is going to feast in the right matchup, is going to feast when he has a matchup advantage and when he's locked into this style of play. He only took 10 shots, but it felt like he fell backwards into 19 points by just doing the right things on the offensive and defensive end. Other players wanted to get him involved. 
because they saw he was doing the right thing on both sides of the floor. And you want to reward guys like that. It's just like when a big man blocks a shot and then and then runs the length of the floor on a fast break, you want to reward them with an easy bucket because that isn't necessarily their job, but they're going above and beyond to try to help out the team and and they that's that's just how teams are run. Like if MPJ continues to work towards this thing and he continues to try to dedicate himself to the right things on the offensive end, I think the team is going to accept that and they're going to want to pass it to him more. Because if he keeps being successful and he keeps giving everybody assists and they keep there's good vibes and, and everybody feels good about the opportunities that they're receiving, I think it's going to turn into something nice. Uh, we'll see what happens when uh, Gary Harris returns. Maybe they change up the starting lineup again. Maybe they keep Michael Porter Jr. in the starting lineup, but I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. Okay, I've already spent like six, seven minutes on MPJ. Uh, let's talk about other stuff. Uh, Denver played really strong defense in this game. Like I said, the two centers look by Cleveland against Millsap and Jokic just wasn't going to cut it. They don't have enough spacing. And that's a situation where Denver usually operates well when when Darius Garland and Colin Sexton and guys like that, when they don't want to space the floor with outside jumpers on a consistent basis, it kind of plays right into Denver's hands when there are also other bigs that are that are kind of crowding the paint and doing things. Uh, Isaac Okoro also wasn't the most dangerous option, so when MPJ was switched onto him, teams weren't, uh, th- like, I, I think the Nuggets weren't so concerned with MPJ on Isaac Okoro. Uh, Harrison Barnes is a different thing because he's a professional. He understands how to score. He's he's a professional scorer. Like, that's just what he does. Um, Isaac Okoro is different. Uh, Paul Millsap looked really good on his birthday. He had 22 points, 7 of 8 from the field, extremely efficient and effective in his minutes. Uh, I want to address something that I've seen on Twitter, uh, and I've seen kind of in the, the general reaction towards when Millsap plays a lot. Uh, just because Zeke Naji had a really good game, this past time, and I'll get to him, don't worry. Paul Millsap had 22 points on eight shots. He played good defense against Jared Allen, against Andre Drummond, rotated, didn't try to go for 40 points, didn't try to take any more shots than than what were allotted to him. He just took his opportunities and made the most of them. That's a really good veteran move. <coughs> and and I tend to think that people don't give enough credit to those guys. Uh Millsap isn't playing too many minutes. He's averaging about 20 to 25 per game. He's played in five total fourth quarters all season. He only plays three quarters most of the time. If Denver can get MPJ and and maybe Zeke Naji playing well, and then they get everybody healthy, I think that Millsap will probably take some games off. He'll have his minutes reduced a little bit. But until that point, Millsap's been playing well. I think that there's there's a reason why Denver is succeeding with him on the floor versus when he's off the floor. He has had a good time he's he's had a good setup and a good run up. When Denver gets to a playoff situation, they may decide to pivot away from him, but for now, like just trying to get wins, just trying to win the regular season, I think they're fine to start Paul Millsap. Will Barton was also impactful as a playmaker, shooter, defender. He tied Porter with the same number of shot attempts as Porter, but he he made 7 of 10, and he was also a, a solid playmaker, and he did a nice job guarding Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Uh, I think that this was a really good Will Barton game. It was a really good game for the starters all around for, for a reason. 
Uh, Jamal Murray, though he didn't take a lot of shots and though he wasn't raining down hellfire from three or anything, I thought he captained the offense really well and, and dictated how things should go. And I think that's that's kind of a, a misnomer on Denver's offense. A lot of times Jokic is going to captain things, but I thought tonight was a, a or not tonight, uh, Wednesday night, was a really good example of Jamal Murray trying to captain the offense and putting them in position to create some open shots. And and he operated from the post a little bit. He he did a lot of the, the Jokic offense where he creates shots for others out of the post. He was uh, throwing skip passes to Michael Porter Jr. I think two of MPJ's misses were on wide-open Jamal Murray skip passes right to him that he probably didn't expect, but if he makes those, then MPJ has 25 points, and Murray has a couple of extra assists, uh, as opposed to the already great numbers that they put up. But uh, I still think that Murray is is kind of in a in a weird position right now, and he's been dealing with injuries. He, he's trying not to take over the offense too much because they're, they're working towards a larger goal. He knows that he can take over. I know that he can take over. It's not about pressing. It's not about trying to find his own shot right now. That will come. I, I totally 100% believe that. I'll talk about that in the third segment. But for now, that's that's the starters. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the bench and sort of all of the elements involved there with a focus on this past game. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back, Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here. Uh, going solo today, wanted to do kind of a state of the team based off of this, this great win that they had against the Cleveland Cavaliers, but also sort of taking into account where they are. Uh, I'm going to talk more in depth about that in the third segment, but I thought the the bench deserves some shine in this second segment, leading lead, led by the two rookies that I, I wasn't expecting them to get as much time as they did, and they certainly made the most of it in, in this performance. Uh, Zeke Naji and RJ Hampton, uh, both of them were very, very good. Naji scored 14 points, shot four of six from three-point range, his only shot from two-point range was a dunk in transition. Uh, that's probably got to change. I tend to think that one-dimensional players on the offensive end, like when their shot isn't dropping, it's going to look a lot less effective. Jamichael Green was a lot like this. He was shooting 50%, 55%, something absurd from three for the first 10 games, 12 games, 15 games of his season. That's come back to earth a little bit lately, and we haven't been talking about Jermichael Green as much because he hasn't been shooting as much, or shooting as well, but he doesn't really do a lot on the interior. He's not really a, an interior presence kind of big. I tend to think that Zeke Naji is in the same mold a little bit. Um, he's going to be a very interesting prospect to monitor because he has the athleticism, 
He has the basketball IQ. He has the kind of complimentary style that you're looking for in a role player for a young guy that's looking to get some time. Uh, Denver's been kind of cycling through that fourth big for most of their season. Isaiah Hartenstein has been kind of in and out of the lineup, though he's had the most opportunities. Jermichael Green will slide to the five, while Porter will slide to the four, and he's kind of filling that fourth big role. But if you're looking for Porter in the starting lineup, then you actually have to have a fourth big that comes in there. Because Jermichael Green can't be the only big man that's that's on the floor when Porter isn't out there with that second unit. So Zeke Naji, maybe he maybe he fills that role. Maybe he's a guy who we've we've kind of overlooked, or, or some of us have overlooked. I think I've he- I've heard a vocal contingent of of Nuggets fans that are hoping for Zeke Naji to play a little bit. I actually was hoping for Bull Bull to play a little bit as the the backup power forward on the second unit next to Green as well. Um, though that doesn't look like it's going to happen. And at this point, based off of what he's shown, I I tend to think that Zeke Naji is the guy that they should look to develop into that role. He is somebody that I trust to make the right decisions in the playoffs. And if his offense is going, then great. That's a bonus. If not, then he's still going to rebound. He's still going to play solid defense. He's still going to move the ball offensively. He's going to make limited mistakes. Uh, he's going to limit his mistakes. That's that's what I'm trying to say. But uh, he's a solid player, and I, I hope he continues to get on the court. RJ Hampton, also another solid player. I wrote about him on the Stiffs mailbag for Thursday, so if you're looking for that, then I also wrote about Zeke Naji too. But one of the questions that I was asked was, what was my favorite trait about RJ Hampton? And it's really hard to quantify. There, there's a lot of different things with his game that we haven't seen fully yet, but the one thing that I can firmly attest to, uh, based off of watching him, based off of seeing that dunk live, uh, just his jets, his ability to get the ball and go or just move off ball. Uh, he closes the distance well on defense with great closeouts, with great energy, with great quickness and athleticism. Quickness and athleticism is what RJ Hampton brings to the table. And that's something that the Nuggets don't really have a ton of. They have smooth athletes. They have guys who are uh, very textbook with their with their shooting form and their moves and Jokic who's a trickster as opposed to like a a physically dominant specimen of a big man. Uh Porter is more smooth than he is athletic. Uh RJ Hampton, he like Adamari said it on Twitter yesterday. He looked like he was shot out of a cannon. And that's kind of how he plays. Uh there are some times where he probably needs to slow it down a little bit and there are sometimes he does and he he operates well in the half in the half court in those situations, but I think he's going to be super impactful when he can use that athleticism for good in a fast-paced, up-and-down style of play, kind of catching outlet passes from Jokic, catching back cuts and lobs, uh, handling the ball on offense and, and getting right to the rim against a switch. There are a lot of reasons to think that R.J. Hampton could be a really impactful player for this Nuggets team going forward. And I hope that Denver continues to cultivate that talent. I don't expect them to stay in the rotation because I tend to think that Porter is going to stay as a starter and Denver may be moving to either Gary Harris or Will Barton off the bench. I'm not sure which. I'm not sure what they should do. Um, 
but I tend to think that Porter's going to move back into that starting lineup and stay there uh, as long as he continues to do the things he needs to do. Um, I think that RJ Hampton's coming out, but that's okay. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe Faku Campazzo, who I'm going to talk about next, maybe he's the guy who comes out. Um, I thought Faku Campazzo had a really good game against Cleveland too, and it's not going to be talked about a lot, but there are some things that he does that are incredible on the defensive end, on the offensive end. He zips around everywhere. He he gets to the perimeter. He hustles his butt off. And he's a guy who, when they also put RJ Hampton out there, you could sense the the urgency that Denver played with. You could sense the ability to cause chaos and then capitalize on that chaos with excellent ball movement, uh, the proper... Uh, sets and motions that Denver was running to create some open baskets. Uh, Campazzo hit those hit those players on a consistent basis. He set up Zeke Naji well. Uh, he does a really good job of of making sure that the offense is going in the right direction, and I like that. I think that against most teams, Campazzo is going to be an asset. I think that against the best teams in the NBA, that's probably not the case. But for now. Let's just see what he's got. Let's just see how he can get the get Denver through the season. Monte Morris and Jermichael Green, we, we've talked about them enough already, I think. They are solid. They are who they are. Like it's, it's kind of becoming hilarious just how consistent Monte Morris is. Uh, one thing that I will say, he has really struggled shooting from corners, uh, from the corner three. I don't have the number pulled up in front of me, but I suspect it's about 20%. Above the break, he's really, really good. And it says a lot that he's shooting about 35, 36, 37% from three when he's shooting 20% from the corner. So good on him for for being a consistent floor spacer from the wing, from the top of the key. Uh, And Jermichael Green, as his shot goes kind of in and out, he also provides rebounding and stability on the defensive end. So I am less concerned about his shot. I think that it'll come around when it does, and he's always going to be a valuable performer. Even though, even when the shot isn't going down, because he's moving the ball well, because he's doing the right thing on both ends of the floor, that's an important factor here. Isaiah Hartenstein and Bull Bull, I think they're out of the rotation. Um, I mentioned five guys just now. Zeke Naji, RJ Hampton, Faku Campazzo, Monte Morris, Jamichael Green. I think those last two, Morris and Green, are definitely in that rotation no matter what. But once you add back P.J. Dozier and Gary Harris, uh, if you just add those two to Monte Morris and Jermichael Green, plus the starting five, that's already nine guys. And you're really trying to figure out, okay, do we go big with Zeke Naji? Do we go small with additional ball handling with Compazzo? Do we go with that young, youthful energy with R.J. Hampton and try to develop him a little bit? Uh, Denver has some choices, and I, I don't think that they're going to cut any of those other guys from the rotation. Uh, people would mention P.J. Dozier. I think P.J. has earned that right to be a part of the rotation when he's out there. Though he could be sitting out for a little bit longer because of that hamstring strain. Uh, we don't know the extent to that injury, but I tend to think that that really is the cutoff. Uh, these five guys right now, uh, Najee, Hampton, Compazzo, Morris, and Green, that's your bench. Uh, Hartenstein, Bull Bull, those guys are out. Uh, Vlatko Chanchar, he was kind of filling that Zeke Naji role, what, what Zeke Naji's doing right now. But I don't think that Denver's going to sit down Zeke Naji 
after he had 14 points on seven shots. That's just not what I think is going to happen. And I think that Denver has an, a, an incentive, I think, to try to invest some time into the development of Najee and Hampton. They don't have a lot of time with those guys for this shortened regular season. So you might as well take the opportunities while there, while there are injuries, and you never root for that, but while there are, while there are opportunities to play Najee and Hampton, Denver should be taking that time to do so. Uh, yeah, I mentioned Vlatko, I mentioned Hartenstein and Bull. Those guys are going to be out for, like, I just don't think that they're going to get into the game uh, pretty consistently now. Uh, Marcus Howard is, is on the outs as well. He, he was really getting up some shots in garbage time, and, and good on him for being able to do so. Uh, I still want to see Greg Whittington. We haven't seen him yet. He's coming off of that arthroscopic knee surgery. I don't know when he's going to be healthy and ready to go, but you want to see him get his first NBA points at some point. And given the fact that he's 6'8", 6'9", pretty athletic, uh, Denver might want to give him a look, just because that's kind of the type of player that Denver is missing right now. So we'll see what happens, though. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to come back and talk about the state of the Denver Nuggets. We'll be right back. All right, final segment here, Denver Stiff Show, Ryan Blackburn here. Uh, let's talk about the state of the Nuggets and where they are. This is a good time to talk about it, I think, because we are now officially 33% of the way through the season, one-third. Uh, Denver has a 13-11 and 11 record, uh, so they're pretty close to 500, and, and they, they haven't looked very good, and I think this is a good time, given the fact that Denver themselves actually had a kind of state of the team themselves. Uh, prior to that Cleveland game. And it's one of the reasons, I think, why Denver kind of came out guns blazing against those Cavaliers. Uh, Michael Malone and the coaching staff talked to the team. I'm sure the front office and, and Tim Connolly and guys like that also said stuff. But it's a, it's a pretty interesting place where the Nuggets are right now. They're seventh in the West, but they're tied for fifth in net rating with the Philadelphia 76ers, and they'll finish fifth after Philly just lost tonight. Uh, Denver having a top five net rating is sort of unbelievable. Like the three teams in the West that are above them are also above them in net rating uh, with the the Utah Jazz, LA Clippers, LA Lakers. Those teams are great. Uh, they're, I don't think the, the Jazz are true title contenders, but you never know. Um, Lakers and Clippers, obviously. Milwaukee's the other team that Denver just played, and so... You really start to think about the teams that Denver has played lately. Uh, they won against the Jazz. Then they lost three games in a row. Once to the Lakers, once to the Kings, and once to the Bucks. So two really good teams and one team that Denver has just... they The Kings have had Denver's number. De'Aaron Fox is very dangerous. Rashawn Holmes is the perfect counter to Nikola Jokic from a, a Kings offense perspective. Harrison Barnes was very dangerous against Michael Porter, but he also kind of scored against Gary Harris, Will Barton, uh, not Gary Harris, uh, Will Barton, Monte Morris, everybody. Like, he scored against everybody. So, 
it was just kind of a tough spot, but uh, let's go back. Denver started the season one and four. Things were were looking pretty bad. MPJ sat out after that. Um, he he had COVID. He had a couple of violations there. Uh, worked things back though without him. Denver got into kind of a stable place with uh, the Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic starting lineup. That group very trustworthy. Denver understands how to operate with that group on the floor, and Nikola Jokic looked like an MVP candidate. Uh, MPJ came back. He helped Denver uh, go four of five on the road against some pretty good teams, twice against Phoenix, once against Dallas, once against Miami. Denver lost to the Spurs, but it, it was what it was. Uh, they they had to had to slow down at some point in the Spurs. They, they had some quick and athletic guards and, and DeMar DeRozan, who kind of just kicked their butt. Uh, Denver then beat the Jazz badly. Uh, with Jokic dropping 47 points on Rudy Gobert and company. Denver lost their next three games to the Lakers, Kings, and Bucks, as I mentioned. Uh, two of those teams have elite wings. Uh, one of those teams has a quick guard and a center that kind of has a push shot. That's uh, it's kind of a tough thing for, for Denver's defense. Um, Jokic has looked like the best player in the NBA so far this season. I think that's probably my biggest takeaway, is that Despite all of the noise, despite all of the problems that Denver has had, they've tried to work through some things with their with their uh, personnel, with the way that they're playing, uh, with the defense, with the, the effectiveness. Uh, Jokic, through it all, has been extremely consistent. He's been a dominant player. I think he's been the best player in the NBA so far. And he has a really, really good claim there. Jamal Murray, on the other hand, about the 40th to 50th best player. Uh, not great. Whatever you want to call it. Injuries, wanting to get others involved, just being passive. Uh, he hasn't been up to the standard that I think many wanted him to be after his bubble performance. Uh, I don't think he has met expectations. I think he'd be the first person to say, man, his numbers, they look exactly the same to the numbers that he's posted in each of the last two years. So that's not the progression that the Nuggets wanted. That's not the progression the Nuggets really expected from him either. Uh, they wanted him to come out and dominate, and him getting hurt against the uh, against uh, Jay Sean Tate and the Houston Rockets, I think that really derailed a lot of the things that the Nuggets wanted to do. Um, now, with that being said, I still trust Murray in the playoffs. When when they roll around, he will undoubtedly be back to form, be back to star form. Uh, he knows how to be a gamer. He knows how to get his shot off in those situations, and he lives for those moments, and I trust him in those moments. He hasn't let Denver down yet. Um, Denver may be in a, in a situation, though, during this regular season where they kind of have to cover for him unless he's willing to sit out for an extended period of time. And It's hard to sit out when the team is 13 and 11. He wants to get Denver into a position where they're good enough that he can sit. But then once you get there, it's hard to sit because you're playing so well. So it's kind of a catch-22. Denver's in a tough position with him. Uh, this season, it's not lost with him, but uh, he's not going to make an all-star team, uh, despite the fact that I think he's still an all-star talent. I think he's still going to be that level of player for the majority of his career. Uh, he's still 23. He's going to turn 24 shortly. Uh, but like, I, I still trust him. Like there's, there's no other way to talk about it. 
Um, let's grade MPJ season. Uh, I think this has to be an incomplete grade for obvious reasons, but I want to talk about it. Um, in the Cleveland game, he made a really good effort to cut out some of those excess shot attempts that the Jokic and company were shaking their heads at. They were yelling at him. They wanted him to be in a better position where he affects the offense in a positive way. Uh, he will be better for it in the long run. It's been tough for him to adjust. He really is reforging his own identity as a basketball player. And he's in a situation where Denver's wanting him to be patient. They want him to run some of their actions organically with Jokic, Murray, etc. And let those plays develop a little bit longer. And I tend to think that he's done a bad job of that so far this season. Here's how he ranks on the Nuggets with shots by shot clock time left. So like with 24 to 22 seconds remaining on the shot clock, he's averaging the second most shot attempts on the team. 22 to 18 seconds, he's averaging second most shot attempts on the team. 18 to 15, he's at sixth most. 15 to 7, which is about average. 15 to seconds remaining on that shot clock, he's at third most behind Jokic and Murray. Uh... With seven to four seconds remaining, he's eighth on the team. And with four to four to zero seconds remaining, kind of in that in that zone where you would want him to take some of those shots because he can get those shots off, he's tenth. The Nuggets have struggled to find him the ball, but he's also struggled to put himself in a position where they can pass it to him, where he's always cutting, he's always kind of in that in the spot that he shouldn't be. He has to remain patient and let them work the ball to him. Because if the ball does come to him and he's open, he's one of the most dangerous players in the NBA because of it. Like He's still shooting 44% from three. He's still an efficient two-point shooter because of his ability to raise up in the mid-range but also finish over people at the rim. He has to remain patient. I think he's done a poor job of overcutting so far this year. And when he puts himself into that position and clogs up the middle of the paint... It kind of disrupts everything for the offense. This is something that I complained about with Mason Plumley last year. Um, he would cut for no reason and kind of put himself in front of the rim and wall off a driving lane for a guard or wall off a driving lane for Jeremy Grant. Um, and it was rarely a situation where he actually scored or, or was efficient in. Can Porter finish some of those shots? Sure. But he's not going to finish them all. He's going to turn over a couple. And he's any shot that he misses at that point, it's a dangerous situation for the defense, uh, for Denver's transition defense at that point. So I think he needs to remain patient and he'll be good. Denver's going to get him more shot opportunities. And I think he's going to be effective. It's just going to take some time. Let's talk about Harris, Barton, and Millsap. I think they've all been good starter options overall. They have their flaws. They've helped stabilize the process, though. And that's been really helpful while while Porter is still trying to figure things out. Uh, while Jamal Murray has been a little bit up and down because of his injuries. And just kind of overall ineffectiveness at various points. Uh, Gary Harris, that 3 and D guard that Denver needs. Uh, he's necessary defensive talent against the other elite guards and some off-ball wings. Remember what he did to Duncan Robinson in the Miami Heat game? He just completely took Duncan Robinson out of the game, and, and that was the biggest reason why Denver won that game as handily as they did. 
was because Denver had a couple of guys that they needed to take out of things, and they took Bam Adebayo out of it, and they took Duncan Robinson out of it. And that was all Gary Harris. He did a really good job there. Uh, he still has to improve. There's still some some sh- uh, shot efficiency concerns that I have with him. And it's tough that he had a core injury that now when he comes back, I'm, I'm not sure how he's going to look. I'm not sure how any of them are going to look. Uh, uh, him, Harris, Dozier, uh, Greg Winnington, if, if he does come back, like, all of those guys are, are in that nagging injury zone uh, where things could really be – it, it could be a tough situation for Denver. So I hope that Denver has plans for if he doesn't look perfect because he may not. That could be a really tough situation for everybody involved. Uh, Will Barton, though, he's been versatile. He's been a great shooting wing for most of the time. Uh, He's shooting in the high 30s, which I think is great, Uh, though he is too small to defend those big wings that Denver's going to have trouble with in the regular season and the playoffs. Um, He's looked better guarding ones and twos, though. I think when you put him on those guys, things tend to work out. So if Jamal Murray and Will Barton can lock in on the perimeter as the one and the two, then I think Michael Porter Jr., if if he has to guard those threes, and he's going to have to, then they may be able to do it. They may be able to figure it out. Um, Paul Millsap, as I said before, he's been solid in his minutes. Uh, He won't finish most games. I think Porter is probably going to be that closing power forward against most teams, unless Green has it going, unless he's playing well. But uh, Paul Millsap, for for my money, has been what Denver has needed him to be for the most part. Uh, He's been an efficient jump shooter. He stayed out of the way on offense. He cuts at the right time. He finishes at the rim. Uh, That's been the most important thing. You don't want him to do a ton because there are certain situations where if he's facing somebody that's just as athletic as him or more so, then he may not be able to get off his shot cleanly. Uh, So I think Denver, they got to be in a situation where they use him to their full advantage. He may come off the bench at some point, and Jermichael Green may step into that starting unit. But until then, Millsap has done his job, and he's done it well. I still don't think the Nuggets have the wing athletes necessary to compete with those top West teams. Uh, The Lakers and the Clippers, when you have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, those are all going to be difficult assignments for everybody. Michael Porter, he's going to have to defend one of those guys, and if he can't, then Denver's in a really tough position. If they have to defend uh, Gary, if they have to use Gary Harris on Paul George, then they may survive. If they have to use Gary Harris and Will Barton on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, respectively, that's a really big issue. Same thing for the Lakers. If if the if the Nuggets are in a situation where they have to start Jamichael Green against LeBron James then they're in a really tough spot. Uh, I don't think that they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to be in a position where they have to do that. They may not even be in a position where they get to do that because they still have to win against another team in the first round of the playoffs and and advance and do what they need to do to win. Um, But I still think that Denver's better than their current record says they are. Uh, They're only two games out of fourth place. As I mentioned, they're fifth in net rating overall in the league. They only are four games out of third place against the uh, with the LA Clippers. 
Denver's played a relatively tough strength of schedule at this point, and the only lo- the losses that they have, outside of the Kings' losses, are all against good teams. I don't think they have a bad loss other than one of the Kings' losses, and that was the the opener against the Kings. Um, but they need some wins against some good teams to make up that ground. They can't just beat all the losing teams. They have to beat some of the winning teams as well. Uh, they haven't been good against plus 500 teams so far this year. And Denver's been 1-3 against the, the Utah, Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Clippers trio. They have to pick up some wins against that trio. They can't just be 1-8 uh, at the end of the year. They have to be 4-5 and five or 5-4. Five and four. Or if they're 3-6, and six, then they'll, they'll at least have picked up a couple. But I still hope that they, they get into a better position where they could win some of those games against those teams. They're three and two against the other four West playoff teams. They're five and four against the non-West playoff teams. They need to be better there, though they haven't played a ton of those games. Uh, five and four is, is it's a little bit like it's it's against uh, seven seven teams total. So they're gonna have some more of those games. They're gonna have to bone up on some of those wins. They have the OKC Thunder on Friday. They're going to, in the second half of the season, have some more games against those non-playoff teams. They have to take, they have to make the most of those opportunities, or else they're going to be in a tough spot. And against the teams that are around them in the Western Conference, those other four West playoff teams, teams like Phoenix, Golden State, Portland, teams like that, uh, San Antonio, they have to win more of those games too. I think that this team is still good. I don't know if they're great. I actually doubt that they're great, but they are good. Nikola Jokic isn't going to win an MVP award unless they are great, unless they figure it out, unless they make a trade, um, whatever the case may be. Until they get into the kind of the top four, top three seed conversation, then I think that we're going to probably see somebody like LeBron James win an MVP. And that's fine. He's really good. He's got a lot of the narrative built up behind him because of the LA stuff and because of the clutch stuff. And I got my ass kicked on Twitter for saying stuff like that because it's true, because that is something that happens, but it is what it is. Nuggets fans know that life. That is Nugget life in a nutshell. Um, But other than that, Murray's got to get things back on track from a physical and a health standpoint. Porter's got to get it together. He had a really good first step against Cleveland. Let's see if he can keep it going. Uh, and then Denver's got to figure out the rest of it. They have the pieces. They have a lot of talent. Now it's on Michael Malone to really help that talent gel and to help them do the things that they need to do to put themselves back into a really good spot. That's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being a part of things here. Uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. would make the, a world of difference. I think it's going to be a really good stuff. Having a lot of fun with it. And got some exciting things store for you over the course of the next couple weeks. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I will talk to you guys next week.